You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, here we go again. Friday episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. Today I'm joined by Nate Roosevelt out of Michigan, and this is a Hunter Profile podcast. Now, before we get into that, uh, it is bright and sunshiny and beautiful here in Iowa, and this youth turkey season is going to land right in the middle of a whole bunch of really good weather. So I am freaking excited to get out and uh, take my daughter turkey hunting. Man, I'm jacked my... Uh, here's the here's the plan. We're gonna walk out in the woods. It's gonna be run and gun. I know I'm risking it if I don't put her in a blind, but we've already went out. We practiced sh- uh, shooting the shotgun uh, two days ago. She feels fairly confident in it. In it, um, she didn't complain about the kick of this 20 gauge. And uh, dude, I'm I'm just I'm really looking forward to getting getting out there and and and. Uh, going through the process with her you know trying to locate a bird making a move working in on them trying to shoot them so forth and so on the cool thing about this is that my stepdad is going to be coming with us he's going to hang back a little bit and he's going to be doing the calling and then uh, you know 50 to 100 yards behind us and we're going to see if he can call the the birds into us and then we can go ahead, you know, I'll, I'll throw some decoys out. I'll put those out in front of her and, um, and, uh, maybe just maybe this will work out. So I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Here's the bad news with that. There are, there's another landowner who I emailed, who also has pro or property near where I hunt. And I just let them know that, Hey, I'm going to be out there, uh, with my daughter and he goes, hey, we're going to be out there too. <laughs> we're going to be out there too, listening for turkeys. And then that morning, we're going to start cutting trees. And so that's just kind of a whole dilemma now. Um, I, I really hope that they they wait and stop, start cutting trees and let me work some birds at least a little bit uh, before they start chainsawing. And because I'm going to have to end up moving around a lot and uh, there's not I mean this this property just lays right in the their property lays right in the middle of all this and so I don't know where the turkeys are going to go I don't know what they're going to do if they start chainsawing but we're going to have to be 
somewhat experimental in our approach to to this youth season but i'm nonetheless my daughter's freaking excited i'm excited beautiful weather so you can't really lose out on on that now Nate Roosevelt, he's from Michigan. He's been he's been hunting Michigan and living in Michigan his whole life. He takes a handful of out-of-state hunts every year, and uh, he is excited to be a deer hunter, and he lives in Michigan. Now, what you will hear in this episode is him talk like four-year-olds, five-year-olds, and a lot of people aren't saying four-year-olds and five-year-olds in Michigan. The unique thing about this story today is that Nate lives in a neighborhood where lots of people communicate with each other and the ability to have a little bit older of an age class stick around on their farm. People aren't shooting two-year-olds. They're not really shooting, you know, spikes and dinks, really. They're letting those deer pass. They're letting it get to an older age class. And it seems like everybody is able to get what they want out of that. You know, you got some guys who just want to shoot the first thing that kind of pops up. They have that. But by passing, you know, some of these these two-year-olds, maybe even some three-year-olds, they're, they're getting an older age class and bigger deer on their farms, and Nate talks about that today. Another interesting topic we cover is the tradition that Michigan has that a lot of states don't have. When I think of tradition, of course, I'm from the Midwest, uh, so I'm a little bit biased here in this answer. Um, Wisconsin has a pretty rich tradition. Michigan has a rich tradition. Pennsylvania, New York, these these states have what I would say a very like deeply rooted tradition into hunting. Now I'm sure there's some southern states that have that same tradition. I'm just not familiar with them. But the mid as far as the Midwest goes, those are the states that pop up. I don't feel like Iowa has that. I don't feel like Illinois or maybe Missouri even have that. Maybe Minnesota. But outside of that, uh, I know Iowa doesn't, it doesn't feel like it as a resident to me that there is a, a big hunting tradition in Iowa. So we talk about that as well. It's a, it's a fun episode. Uh, we share some funny stories. Uh, <laughs> I, we laugh a lot in this episode. It's, it's a really good one. I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it. So with that said, let's get into the commercials. Uh, if you're looking for a saddle uh, and you want to become more mobile in your approach to deer hunting, you got to go check out Tethered. These guys have just introduced uh, a new saddle. They've also introduced, in collaboration with the hunting public, they have uh, introduced a turkey vest. So go check all that out um, at Tethered's website. If you're looking for one of the most badass, in my opinion, best engineered mechanical and uh and fixed blade broadheads, you got to go check out Wasp. Majority of their heads are still made in America, and uh, they they destroy whatever they hit, and that's the goal, right? You put your broadhead on a well-tuned arrow, you tune it up, make it shoot straight, you become accurate with it, and then the broadhead does the, does the rest of the work, right? It just destroys whatever it hits, and that's why I'm confident in Wasp. Wasparchery.com, discount code NFC20, NFC20, and that's going to get you 20% off of all uh, of your purchases on Wasp's website. Vortex Optics, man, uh, I just got off the, I had a meeting with uh, Wasp, or not Wasp, uh, Vortex a couple days ago. They're just some really good dudes, man. They're really good people that work for that company. You know, they have, they have a whole bunch of really cool things going on. Not only do they have optics right but they they have this growing lifestyle brand that has a ton of clothing now uh they have an awesome apparel line so go check that out uh if you're looking for binos if you're looking for a spotting scope rifle scope uh red dots range finders you name it they have it vortexoptics.com last but not least hunt stand hunt stand i mean it, it is what it is, right? I mean, it, it, it's a hunting app that allows you to document and journal everything that you find, everything that you see, take notes, uh, you know, organize trail camera pictures, uh, look at weather forecasts. Everything that you need as a hunter is all in the palm of your hand, right on your phone. Pull it up, do your e-scouting, you know, uh, check your trail camera pictures you can that will help you forecast deer movement along with some some uh, deer forecasting uh, apps or uh, information that they have on their 
on their application there. So uh, huntstand.com, go check it out, read up on all the functionality. And while you're there, also check out the new pro whitetail platform that allows you to do some, if you're a serious whitetail hunter, then you need to go check out that uh, pro whitetail platform as well. So huntstand.com and that is it. So I'm done talking. I hope everybody has a good turkey season. Enjoy the nice weather if you have it. I don't know what else to say, man. Happy Friday. Let's get into it. Three, two, one. Alrighty. Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. And today, all the way from Michigan, we have Nate Rose- Roosevelt. Did I say that right? Yes. Perfect. Yep, Roosevelt. Roosevelt, perfect, perfect. Well, hey, man, uh, thanks for taking time out of your day to to hop on and and uh, do this podcast with me. No problem. I'm a construction worker, so we got a little thunderstorms and rain, possible tornadoes rolling through. So I stayed home today. You got a you got one of those uh, those uh, days where it's too wet and muddy at the job site to do anything. Yep, and lightning. Lightning, so yeah. Being in a man lift, you know, 30, 40 feet up, getting struck by that doesn't seem like a fun day. So, yeah. What kind of construction do you do? We do residential stuff mostly, framing, siding, yeah. all that stuff, custom stuff. Got gotcha. you. All right. All right. Is that residential or commercial? Residential. Yep. Gotcha. So, we do all custom one offs. People want their dream homes and we get to build that for them. So. Gotcha. So, I have a question. Uh, and this is not to like cheap shot you at all. But it's just a, it's a question about contractors and construction workers, or not not, not the workers, but the, mostly the the contractors. Why is it that a majority of contractors don't ever call you back? Like they, you reach out to them and you say, "Hey, I, I want you to bid this job," or "I want you," to, and they just don't ever get back to you. Well. That's not something we try to do. Right, but, uh, right. <laughs> the problem is, right now, everyone's so busy. There's yeah. a lot of guys that are, I don't want to use the word unprofessional, yeah. but they uh, there's a lot of work out there, and there's not a lot of guys that do the labor. Yeah. So they, uh, yeah, they don't have to necessarily conduct themselves in the most professional manner to be busy. Yeah. So I think a lot of times they... Instead of saying nope, we're busy, they'll promise the world, and well, they can't can't produce the world. So yeah, yeah. I think that's the issue. I yeah. think especially for guys like us who are doing you know maybe additions or like little remodel things or not necessarily these giant projects. Yeah, the guys that are really good at their job, they're doing these huge giant homes, and then you kind of have this you know this, the other crews of guys doing littler things, and unfortunately, homeowners like us get the bad end of that and we have to chase our tail and you constantly got to price check people because people are, you know, they don't necessarily give you an honest rate and stuff like that. So yeah. But yeah. I think I, that's just not what we live in. So yeah, exactly. It's uh, it is a, it's crazy. Like I just wanted someone to pour a concrete. Uh, so I had a, a pad of concrete, my, the bottom section of my driveway it just over the years had deteriorated and, and, uh, I knew I was going to have to replace it when I got, when I bought this house. And so finally I replaced it like three years ago or four years ago now. And dude, it took, it took maybe three months for me to get a hold of somebody just to talk to him on the phone. And then another uh, maybe month for them to come and get the job done. It was, it, it was crazy. I, I, I don't know. I maybe my expectations weren't set correctly, but I I just felt like, hey man, uh, I don't know. In this market, I feel like if you want money, it's it's here to be made. But again, I don't understand half that shit, and uh, and a lot of guys are busy and probably can't find people to help them do their jobs. Yeah, that's for us. You know, we we've really struggled to find quality laborers yeah. to help. Um, so you there's tons of opportunity out there, jobs all over the place. And as the business owners or as, you know, the lead guys, you have to be able to say no. And that's really tough to do because it'd be awesome to have twice as many people as we have, but that's the biggest issue. So I I guess any words of advice to any homeowner that's wanting to do something, make sure you, that first phone call, you ask scheduling, you ask timeframe, you ask all those questions. And if you don't hear what you want to hear, find someone else or, 
you up front. I mean, that's what I would do. If someone's like, Hey, I want you to, I had to say no, we had to say no to jobs all the time. It's like, yeah, we'd love to build you this, but we are not available until, you know, a year and a half from now or six yeah. months. And if that doesn't work, try to find someone else. And, you know, we, I recommend other people I may know to try to help, but um, yeah, that's just the world. Nothing's worse than being promised something or you're, you're excited. Yeah. I want new concrete. This is something I really want to do. Let's do this. And then yeah. six months later, nothing's happened. So, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> a fact, man. All right. So, uh, construction, uh, I have heard that guys can set their lives up, especially if they're outdoorsmen, you know, whether they're, you know, full-time deer hunters or full-time fisher, you know, fishermen that they can really set their life up to kind of take advantage of weather and the rut and, and things like that, especially in the Midwest and get a lot of hunting done. Uh, at, and you know, like uh, obviously bust their ass all year round, but then when it's time to hunt, they can get out into the woods as much as possible. Is that, can, can do you have that luxury or are you more of a, uh, 52 weeks a year guy? So I'm, uh, I'm self-employed. Oh, okay. So yes, I'm 1099. I can take as many days off and do what I want. I don't have vacation pay, nothing like that. The, the dream would be that, yeah. but it always seems to happen that you work when the sun's up and every fall you're like, Oh, it'd be so awesome to be kind of slow. But the last eight years we have been just booked right through the fall and winter. So yes, I can, I can take off if it's like, Oh, it's November 6th. The weather looks great. I'm going to show up three hours late this morning. Yeah. And you may be very picky with that. I would love to just block off three weeks of my life. And all I'm doing is <laughs> hunting for three weeks. This is awesome. But right. if you don't take care of the, the clients, you don't take care of the home homeowners and stuff like that, um, that word gets out because yeah. where I live, we're kind of a niche uh, area in West Michigan that um, you got to do a good job. And if you don't do a good job, everyone knows that you didn't. And the last yeah. thing we want to do is be like, Oh yeah, Nate promised this, and we haven't seen him for three weeks because he's out chasing, you know, this and doing that, and every cold front he's gone. Uh, <laughs> but there are days where I can take a half a day off, and yeah. whether it's good, try to capitalize on that, and that's kind of how I operate. I try to spread out my days throughout the the fall instead of just being huge blocked off times. I mean, I do try to take an out of state trip every year. Um, always get opening day of gun season off a couple of days around then Thanksgiving. So there's some of those things that I really don't have to worry about. Yeah. Um, trying to schedule that out. That's just a given. Yeah. And in this area of Michigan, no one's going to be mad if you're taking opening day off because that's kind of a common thing. You know, right. It's a little bit around right. here. So, right. so yeah, I, I like it this way a lot better than having to be an employee for someone. So yeah. I got more than that. So. For sure. Well, that's awesome, man. I, I, uh, I've said this a million times on this podcast over the years, but I got this guy I know. I think he works in, I think he still lives in Wisconsin. It's been a minute since I've talked to him, but he, uh, he worked road, uh, road crew construction, laying concrete and building interstate on ramps and, uh, and fixing, you know, the big main roads. Uh, and, uh, he would work like a hundred hours a week, 80 to a hundred hours a week. I mean, he was just sun up, sun down. And even at night they'd bring those lights in and, and do, the some some work and he was putting in a ton of hours but then every like october he would get laid off all the way through february and he would just live off his savings and and he would hunt and he would go on uh, western hunts and then he would shed hunt and he'd go uh you know like do all of that stuff uh in the in the fall and uh i feel like it would suck a lot in the moment of working, you know, 80 hours a week. It's, it's been a long time since I've put in, uh, an, an 80 hour work week and those suck. I mean, suck really bad. And, uh, having to do that again, I just, I just, uh, I couldn't do it anymore. But, the, the, but then if you have the uh, ability to say October 1st, I'm done. I'm a hunter from this point on, maybe it would be worth it. I just don't know if I could do it. Was he single? No wife or kids? Oh, yeah, single, no <laughs> wife, no kids. I don't. He yeah. didn't even own a, a goldfish. Like this guy, oh, I think yeah. I, this is the this is the truth. I think for a while, his he didn't even have a couch in his apartment. He had a recliner, and he had he had milk crates with two by sixes laying across them for other people to sit. This is no oh, joke. But he, he had like he had like. 
$10,000 worth of taxidermy on his wall. <laughs> so, oh, God. yeah. Was, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if I didn't find a, a woman that loved me and wanted me to marry her, that yeah. I'd probably live similar to that. But, yeah, yeah, I got, I got someone at home and a little kid at home that yep. I – yeah, I can't do that anymore. You know, maybe when I was up right out of high school or something, but right. yeah, that's a, that's a grind. I mean, I'm sure he does. He grinds, you know, to, if he, that's what he wants to do, he's willing to put in the work. And I think that's kind of what we all have to do as outdoorsmen. It's like, yeah. where's your life circumstance like? And if you got to, you know, work 50 hours this week, so then you can take a day off later, or you got to communicate with your, your family and set up stuff, you know, you kind of got to do what it takes to be able to capitalize on the opportunities you essentially create for yourself and uh yep. i think you talk about a lot of efficiency like that's yep. that guy was he didn't he probably didn't have to be so uh, focused on efficiency because he knew i got october 1st to february to do what i want and do my trips and he just did it with time you know yeah. that's uh, for him yeah <laughs> that's funny you know like an apartment with taxidermy everywhere <laughs> yeah nothing else. yep i mean yeah. it had it had uh I, I went there to go pick him up and when i went into the house i had to use the bathroom and it was like, it was like 20 deer heads in this two bedroom apartment. And then in his bedroom and in his bathroom, he had all these uh, mounted fish, like all these yeah. mounted northerns and, and walleye that he big fish that he had caught over the years. And in his kitchen, he had like ducks all up on his, uh, on, on the tops of his cabinets. And so I'm just like, holy shit, dude, do you ever bring girls home? Because they would freak out if they saw, saw the inside of your house. So Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We got Jeffrey Dahmer going on. <laughs> just a, a freezer full of like red meat. <laughs> Deer heads yep. all over the wall. Like this guy's a psychopath. Yep. <laughs> all right. So you, you mentioned you're from Western Michigan, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Just north of Grand Rapids. Just north so. of Grand Rapids. All right. Now, I've talked to a lot of guys from that area over the years. Why don't you just describe maybe the culture, the environment, um, the, like the, the pressure, uh, the hunting pressure? in western michigan as a whole and just kind of break that down for us all right so um i yeah i live in western michigan i do a lot of hunting in this area um i've i got lots of uh private property hunt small sections um but the pro like i guess the way people hunt around here is uh there's lots of pockets of a lot of deer mm -hmm. um and those people who have farmland or have that they're they all hunt like yeah. There's no big areas that people don't hunt. And if they, if they're, if they don't hunt, they are anti-hunting, like kind of a thing from what I've found. Um, there's still a lot of people that do hunt. I mean, the guys are hunting right by houses. Um, you know, it's kind of a more populated area um, doing that. And the culture, um, the culture for Michigan has been, you know, we have a lot of deer hunters and we shoot deer. Like that's kind of been the thing. Um, but in my area hunting in these smaller pockets, I fortunate enough to find some bigger, older deer, uh, to, to hunt, but, uh, there's still quite a few guys that, you know, they shoot the first nice buck they see, or they let, you know, if it's, a, and that could be an eight point, doesn't really matter on age. Um, but there are also pockets of people who are getting neighbors on board and there's sections where they're not shooting anything, but they're less they're five and a half. So like there are places that there are some really big deer and they're got age on them. They're big because there's age. Yeah. Um, I, from the genetic standpoint in my area of the state, if a deer can get age on them, he is good. I mean, I've shot a few three and a half year old bucks that are, I think in the, you know, high one thirties and I don't, one is in the one forties and he might be four and a half. I mean, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me like three and a half. So yeah, from a genetic standpoint and that thing, there's a lot of good genetics around here. It's just the, the struggle is getting them to that age and, but well, there people like deer hunt, man. They, yeah. uh, 
they're there's some diehards like they are you drive around the block and there's i live close by to some state land too some big chunks yeah you know, a thousand acres and you drive around on a, on a morning during the week in november and there will be trucks littered all over the place bow hunting yeah um, and then guns yeah the gun season is that's probably the most most people we have a really long gun season so i think a lot of guys uh take advantage of that and that's when they hunt a lot yeah. in my area and then yeah it's been good so you mentioned that uh you know uh, there are pockets of good deer in in that state and it sounds to me it's because a group of people have decided or they've talked hey we want a little bit higher of an age class in uh said neighborhood or where wherever you know uh however, however many acres are you, do you see a lot of people communicating with each other in those areas saying hey Man, I'm sick of shooting fork horns and, and, and two-year-olds. Let's try to get something a, a little bit older. Do you see that happening? Do you do you personally communicate it to other landowners in that way? Yeah, absolutely. They're um, pretty much every place I hunt. I hunt, you know, around this area. I also have my grandparents' own property, you know, north of me um, in an APR area. And that's a lot more farm country, like bigger chunks. Yeah. And every neighbor that I have on any of the properties I hunt, there is an open line of communication. Um, now I've been fortunate that a lot of those people are similar to my age and they are, we're all on board. It's like, I'm 32 and I feel a lot of people, my age and that uh, generation, we're all about like, yeah. let's see what we can do. Cause when we see the proof, we see guys in other States uh, shooting big deer. We see uh, we have trail cameras. So like, we see bucks get bigger like on trail camera because you don't shoot them. Uh, there are a few people that you have to be careful who, what, what, what you share with is because they may, maybe they're cool with shooting a three and a half year old buck because yeah. a they've never shot one. So how do you, you know, they don't know what that's like, so, but uh, overall I try to be very open with my neighbors. A lot of my friends are the same way because we don't have, thousands of acres to hunt so a buck roams i mean mm-hmm. they go miles they go all over so i mean our my approach is to talk to as many people as i can show share pictures and then a they know what's possible mm-hmm. because if a picture of a, or a video of a 150 inch buck it's like hey it's possible that's yeah. one bonus and then also if someone shoots that buck you're not chasing your tail wondering where he is because you know he's been done so you can kind of move on which that worked for me. That was what happened with me this year. Like yeah. all the nice bucks, I knew they got shot. So it's not like I'm not burning my time in the area hunting a buck that's dead, a ghost, you know? Yeah. So now if we had, you know, if I had locked up thousands, thousands of acres or, you know, one continuous piece, it might be a little different because maybe you can hold some of those deer, but yeah, I, we all communicate. We all try to get on the same page. Um, I may be a little bit more picky than others, but I don't really care because shooting a three-year-old is better than shooting a year and a half old. So yeah, you just, it's a slow progression. I mean, uh, and I think, you know, there's some older guys that are still the mindset, Hey, I filled both my buck tags this year. Rock on. Yeah. And you see the pictures and it's like, man, those are, those are decent bucks. And then you show them a video and they're like, there's no way that deer was right there. I was like, yeah, I hunt three properties from you. And this is the buck that we're chasing. Yeah. And they're like, oh. And they may never change, but yeah. if they do, that's that. I think that's the progression that we are coming in yeah. our pocket to get to that point. I definitely agree with you when you say something about older generations. I think there are there's a, a an age class of people that just don't give a shit, right? They they want to go out, they want to hunt, they want to shoot their four corns, they want to get their two bucks, but but. There's the newer generation that understands herd management, that understands that it's healthier to have an older, older age class of deer, to understand that, hey, man, if you pass these, these two- and three-year-olds, especially in Michigan, because I've heard nothing but good things about Michigan genetics, uh, and that, you know, I, I believe that when there was a shortage of white-tailed deer, they took deer from Michigan and redistributed them across the United States in multiple places to help mm-hmm. with their deer herds. And so um, some of the places, it, Iowa might have even been one of them, where we, they, took, they took deer from Michigan. I, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on this. 
but brought them in here. And so there's pockets of the United States that have the same bloodline as Michigan deer. And, mm-hmm. and, and the, if you just let these deer get older, man, some crazy things can come out of, of, of that state. And it sounds like in these pockets where landowners communicate with each other, it sounds like it's, uh, it's just a perfect example of that. Yeah. I think, you know, there are, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the Northern part of the lower Michigan, you know, I'm in the ag areas. Yeah. Uh, Michigan's a huge state, uh, but the majority of the state has ag, has water, and has woody brows and like ditches and cover. You know, they eat a lot of that. Yep. When you get north, maybe a little farther. I mean, the UP, I drove through the UP. I've never hunted up there, but there's parts before the bridge that you, that area, you know, there isn't just as, there's not as much food or high quality food. And then with the winters they get, they maybe put more of their resources into their body than their antlers. Yep. But I've seen pictures of really big deer getting shot up there, mm-hmm. you know, and I've also seen pictures of deer that weigh 250 pounds and they maybe only score hundred inches, Yep. you know, but, and who knows that could be, you hear all sorts of things. It's on the downhill, it's on this, or it could just be a genetically inferior buck because the younger, nice 115 inch two-year-old got shot and he never made it to three and a half. But I know in the areas of Michigan where you have food, cover and people willing to let deer get to a, a good age class i don't know what more you could want yeah. other than more of them <laughs> like yeah. that's the that's the thing just getting more deer that age when we have i don't think we're number one in the hunters for the state of michigan but i think i saw a statistic with it was a crazy amount of bucks got shot every mile in michigan i want to yeah. say it was the most um or close to pennsylvania I, I wish i had that in front of me but we kill a lot of deer in michigan like yeah. And you drive, I've been, and I, like I said, I try to hunt out of state every year. I've been to, you know, Iowa, Missouri, Kentucky, um, Illinois, Tennessee. And when you're driving through, you see all these fields and there's no gun blinds. And it's just weird because like yeah. in Michigan, you drive down any major yeah. road, yep. you see deer blind everywhere. So you're like, they, we're, we kill deer. There's a lot of hunters. So yeah. I think it comes down to us as the hunters become like, that's, that's the hard part. Cause for me, I want to shoot a five and a half year old buck in Michigan. Like yeah. that's what is going to make me really happy. But then what happens when, you know, someone like my grandpa, who's been, he grew up in Michigan when there was like no deer, like it was weird to see deer. Like yeah. you found a deer track. That's crazy. And then now there's a plethora of them. And that guy is so jacked up every time he shoots a doe, every time he shoots a little six point little, I mean, that guy is going to kill year and a half old bucks until the day he dies. And yeah. me being a part of that and seeing how happy that makes him, like, what do I do? It's like, yeah, yeah. Grandpa, that's awesome for you, but that's just not my jam. But he is, there is a group of people, a big group of people that are still like that. Yeah. That they get a kick out of killing bucks and like just shooting deer. And it's like, hey, that's, I mean, I, that's not what I want selfishly, but you're happy and you're out there doing your thing. So where's that happy medium? Like yeah. at what point in time do we say, Hey, you need to stop doing this. Like, yeah. wh- well, who am I, you know, yeah. just because I think something doesn't mean you all need to do it. Well, it, also, just, it just puts everything into perspective and yeah. just lets you know, like, Hey dude, hunting isn't, isn't all about older age class deer. It's not yeah. always about bigger antlers. I mean, the industry has made it to be that, but at the end of the day, I have a feeling your grandpa could give a shit less about the hunting industry. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's got yeah. the same coveralls, orange he wears. He's got his old 30-06, and he goes out there and has a great time. Yep. It sits a spot, you know, does his thing. Uh, yeah. And the the antler size thing is kind of a – that's a tough thing I kind of dealt with a little bit this year. I, uh, I've i been shooting a lot of um, three-and-a-half-year-old and older like – three-and-a-half, maybe four-and-a-half-year-old bucks last few years. Uh, did pretty well. And then end of this year, I was like, really like self-evaluating. I was like, man, I failed. Like, I felt like I failed this year. Um, Two of the bucks I was after got shot. Um, And then another one I was chasing behind my, uh, locally, uh, in my neighborhood. That deer, I just was a really tough deer. I've only seen him once in three years. Um, And I'm like, man, I failed. I didn't, I didn't kill a buck this year. I shot a fair share of does and that stuff. But then I had to like slow down and think. It's like, man, I had four really good opportunities at three and a half year old bucks. And I didn't, I didn't shoot them. Like, and that was my choice. I was being picky and it's like, well, maybe I didn't fail because I progressed maybe a little bit. It's like a three and a half year old bucks, not intriguing to me anymore. 
So is the season a failure? Well, no, because I put myself in positions where really nice 130 inch bucks walked by and I didn't shoot them. Am I crazy for that? I don't know. I'm in Michigan. There's not many bucks, you know, round like that. I don't know, but I know that looking back at my year, it's like, you know, I made that choice. I set those goals at a few bucks in mind. Um, and I, you know, I stayed true to that. Is that considered a failure? I don't know. I felt like I failed once January 1st rolled around, but also I guess it's just a progression and, um, you try now next year, you know, there's a few bucks that might be older. Maybe I'll shoot a five and a half year buck next year. Yeah. And this year's really worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I ate the buck tags because I shot this buck, but you never know. I think it goes year by year and you know, where, what makes me happy in the woods, I guess, is what as an individual, I think is what's important. Yeah. Um, 14, let's see, it was 2013, 2014, 2015. Uh, I ate those three years in a row where I ate my buck tag because I was chasing, you know, chasing big deer. I also, uh, see 2010, 2011, uh, I, I ate my buck tag 2007, 2008, I ate my buck tags. And so, um, I look back at the course of, it wasn't until recently, like 2016 to, to this year, I'm on a roll of, you know, however many years that is of, of shooting a deer, but, or filling my buck, my archery buck tag, but it's crazy how it just, it, it sucks to not fill it, but the reward, because the reward comes so much later, right? It's not an instant gratification, my favorite thing to do is let's say I pass a, uh, you know, a, a two-year-old or a three-year-old and then seeing them next year with a bigger rack on their head and bigger body size. I'm just like, okay, now it was worth it to pass that buck. And yep. so, uh, when, when you talk about, like, I, I'm sure you've had these conversations with your grandpa, uh, and you know, he probably, he may think you're crazy for passing all these deer. When you talk to him about, uh, the, I don't know, higher age class or bigger antlers or, or you passing deer, does he think you're crazy or does he, does he listen to you? So me and my dad have been, uh, passing bucks for a long time. So of course, at first he thinks I'm crazy. I'll show videos of bucks and he just shakes his head. Yeah. But man, when I bust the computer out and I show him pictures of big bucks on the computer, his eyes light up. Mm-hmm. He loves it. He gets yeah. out of that. Um, and you know i've shot some decent bucks on properties that he owns or he hunts as well and uh he gets a kick he thinks that's the coolest thing ever you know shooting it it's just uh i think he uh you know he's always like i you know shoot all those deer he's a farmer you know for a long time he does this cash crops right now but uh he he does it's weird he loves it he i think he just loves that his grandkids go out there and we're a hunting family still yeah um he, you know, you shoot, you shoot a nice, I, I think one year, um, I shot like a 130 inch eight point, on uh, right behind his house. And he was so tickled that that buck, that big was back there. He thought that was the coolest thing, awesome. but I don't know the concept. He grasped the concept of, I shoot this eight point. Like he's not ever going to be that size. Like, it's like, there's always a re every year. There's going to be another one. It's kind of yeah. like his mind because he's, we hunt in a very, deer density like the deer density is really high in the areas we so i think for him the the enjoyment of shooting that buck is is it doesn't matter i think i literally think if he shoots a spike or if he shoots a 150 inch 10 point he's gonna be just as happy and he's probably gonna cut the antlers off both of them and just screw them to the wall (laughs) (laughs) he's that's funny you know (laughs) yeah yeah that's crazy the uh um and it's all about perspective at this point, but I remember one time I, I walked into, or I, I pulled into a driveway and I was going to ask this farmer for permission to hunt his, his farm. This was several years ago. And he's, I can hear somebody working in his machine shed. So I pulled my truck up, got out, walked into over to his machine shed and he was working on something. And, and, uh, uh, I asked him, Hey, my, my name's Dan. I'm looking to bow hunt on, on your farm. And he goes, nah, well, I, I already got somebody on there or, or, you know, my, uh, uh, I got somebody on there 
or uh, I, I I hunt late season muzzleloader hunt and things like that. So we, you know we got it. We got enough hunters. But you know, thanks for asking and things like that. And and I look I look over in the corner of this machine shed and he's got like a stack of 150 euro mounts in the corner. Like I'm like, dude, like dude, like I, they would be on my wall, like 150 inch. And, yeah. and I go, what, what's the story with these heads over here? Oh, those are just some of the small ones that we've taken, you know, over the years. And I'm just like, what are you like? So my mind's instantly blown. Right. And then later that year, uh, it was like a warm day in the fall. And I'm leaving the woods, and I and I decide to loop around the section and drive by this dude's house, and he's got his curtains open in his house. This dude's wall was ridiculous. I mean, I would put it up, honestly, and this is just from the road, so I couldn't really tell, but I'd put it up against any wall in the country. It, I Honestly, like, two, like multiple 200-inchers on the wall. Um, multiple Boone and Crockett's on the wall, whether that's from shotgun or muzzleloader or, or archery, I don't know. Um, but I'm guessing a lot of it had, a lot of it was late season, like a late season. Cause he's a farmer. He'd leave standing corn up. They'd come out of this big block of timber and he'd just kind of have his way with them. But, uh, it just kind of puts everything into perspective of what no knows. His name. Yeah. And nobody, nope, nobody knows his name. Nobody, nobody will ever know his name. I just mm-hmm. wonder what, what will happen with all those mounts in his uh, in his house once he finally passes away or something like that? You know, there's there's a lot of stuff like that. I bet that just gets thrown away. Yeah, I I mean I have I'm in my basement. I got yeah a bunch of mounts. You know, it's yeah. like these are cool and stuff, and like I enjoy the memory of them. But yeah, I've thought about that. I think there's been a couple other people that have talked about that. What you see you see on social media. I got this this nice buck mount for sale. So and so passed away, hundred dollars, and you're yeah. just like, oh gosh, like that guy, that was like his prized possession, and it's getting yeah. sold for hundred bucks, bucks right? Yeah, uh, that that right. guy would, that guy would probably wouldn't have sold it for a million dollars. No, yeah, no, absolutely. Right? So it's almost like you got to find a location you really like and just yeah. be like, hey, this is an outdoorsy place. I want to just donate, donate it, yeah. And then when you're in your older age, it'll get you out of the house. You go check out your mounts at that place, get you going when you're in your 80s or 90s if we're lucky. Yep. Do something like that. Because, yeah, I mean, that the mount I have on the wall means a lot to me. There's a couple that mean a lot to me and my son or my wife because we maybe shot them together or trail cam picks. But at the end of the day, I did that for me in right. the deer, you know. Right. And taxidermy is cool and it's, a, it's art, you know, to an extent. But, uh, yeah, the values in the eyes of the holder, you right. know, and the guy that did it. Right. But, uh, that can you imagine an estate sale and you roll into the dude's house and there's like eight 200 inch bucks oh yeah right and fifty dollars or, or like two hundred dollars takes them all and it's like, <laughs> you roll into the barn and we yeah. open the door and there's like boxes of sheds oh and like, dude you about, we would just go nuts oh we dude I'll, I'll tell you a story about the biggest eight point side or four point side i've ever seen I don't know what the record is for the largest four point clean four point side ever is, but I, again, pulled into a driveway asking permission to, to hunt a a farm. And you know how out on the farms, they have the diesel bends up, they're elevated Mm -hmm. and then they pull the tractor up and then they can fill up diesel right in their own, on their own property. Hanging on that rack where that diesel tank set, was this gigantic antler? I, I honestly thought it was like a rib like a rib cage or something that something had. So I I walk up to the, I walk up to it, and I take it off and dude it is gig I mean it is gigantic. I would not be surprised if the main beam on that was thirty inches, oh like thirty inch main beam probably eight, nine inch brow tines, no joke, just another 14 inch G2 maybe. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. It had been sitting out there in the sun. And I said, I go, what's the story with this shed? And he goes, that son of a bitch popped one of my tractor tires and, and he ran over it in a field. And I'm like, and I was just like, dude, I'll, I will pay you for this. Cause it, it was that impressive. 
oh no i'd like to look at it every once in a while and it's like it's chalk white with, with cracked by the sun you know it'd been it had been out yeah. there for several years again another farm that a farmer that i i think he knew what he had and he he told oh, yeah. me, he told me no so <laughs> the the next yeah. thing i want to ask you about is tradition and you you've already mentioned you know your family you you come from a hunting family your your grandfather's mm-hmm. geeked about it um the whole uh michigan when i hear when i hear pennsylvania when i hear michigan when i hear wisconsin i just the one of the first words that pops into my head is just like tradition hunting tradition what is it in your opinion that makes michigan have such kind of a a deep rooted and special hunting tradition i thought about that um uh, quite a bit because it's like why is this you know when you go to other states you look and it's like man the the terrain the deer they're there why is why is the tradition not as strong in iowa per se or missouri right um i thought about it like from my personal experience you know my mom's side of the family uh they lived they were city more city folks they you know the whole family um aunts and uncles and all that stuff so when deer season came they all loaded up their vehicles and they went to deer camp and it wasn't a very long commute you know we're talking a couple hours they could roll into a spot that was thousands of acres of you know forest and they could get away and they could hunt deer that's what they did that was deer camp they grew up that way they they had their they had their you know rvs or their campers and their tents and they hunted for that week and that was deer camp that uh and then my dad's side of the family being farmers and farm country uh it was you open day you deer hunted like you are deer hunters and uh that but that wasn't like hey we're loading up the vehicle and we're hunting you're hunting out the back door you're you know driving a few miles down the road uh all the farmers knew each other you could do deer drives on everyone's property there was no fences like yeah. it did not matter oh here's my dad tells me stories about how he was he was driving home from somewhere and see some deer in a ditch or a pothole and they'd bail out of the vehicle go chase him down and all right you go here you go there they're nowhere near their home farm and yeah. they see deer and then the neighbor they go drive to the guy's house and be like, look at this buck we just shot out back yeah, on your field yeah <laughs> yes, deer because there was just deer everywhere like yeah deer uh so when i when i grew up um it wasn't a matter of if i was going to be a deer hunter mm-hmm. it was a matter of when Right. I mean, my, I went out to deer blinds with a, in a sleeping bag at two years old or younger. Um, so I fully immersed into this this lifestyle, and I got to see both sides of it. So you have the deer camp side, which um, there was that was more of like a party, a hangout. Uh, I think a lot more uh, beer cans got drank than right. uh, deer shot or seen. And then I had my other side where it was like we saw deer. So, of course, I went to, well, I want to go hunt and see deer. I don't want to just go out there and, you know, have a good time. Like this is yeah. my life. But I think Michigan is just unique in that sense where you have the populated cities with a lot of like, you know, hands-on jobs. Uh, there's a lot of that going on. So you have the guys that like to be outside and there's plenty of opportunity to go camp and go hunt. So that created a really big tradition and instilled in people. And that's, if your family hunted, you hunted. Um, I am, you know, I'm the oldest of six kids and my sisters hunt. My brothers hunt you know some different levels of hunting but it's like that's a that's a big deal like still like we all look forward to thanksgiving time or opening week and we have a great time with our grandparents and you communicate with everyone and i think it's just the abundant resource and the ability for people to disconnect uh from their everyday life made michigan just a very deep traditional state in that regard yeah i mean you can go I mean, people who live, you know, in the Ann Arbor area or Detroit, they only got to drive four hours and they can get to some giant chunks of state land. Yeah. And that's easy. You know, it's not like you're traveling hours and hours and days and days. You can go have your spot and there's more room. There's more room for everyone to be there. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, I think that's kind of where the tradition started. And um, there obviously isn't as many people doing it as there was. I mean, I want to say there was like almost a million people that hunted back in the day. And now we're at like 600,000 or something. So, I mean, it's not as much as there used to be, but yeah. man, people look at deer hunting still. And yeah, they, yeah, they set up their lives for it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Man, I'll tell you this, you know, when it comes to, to tradition, I'm trying my hardest to stair step my children 
into like, I just have found out my wife's just not really into it. Okay. But I'm trying to stair step my children into it. And so like, I don't, I want to take them, but I don't want them to burn out. Right. And so that's why I'm kind of pushing them back just a little bit. They want to come with me, but I'm just like, wait, you, like my youngest, right? He's only five and he wa- he does want to come with me. And there's some things that I, activities that I can take him on, like checking trail cameras or maybe looking for sheds in a o- wide open field. But, you know, once you step into the timber, then it becomes, you know, there's thorns and then it's like, dad, carry me, help me, dad, you know, climb up this hill, whatever. And so he's not, he's not ready yet. My other son, he wants to come hunting with me, uh, my oldest son. And I think he's kind of close, but I just don't know, like sitting still is still an issue from him. Um, the patience level uh, for him isn't there. So it would be, it would definitely be a, we get out there, it's prime time. Hey dad, I'm cold. I want to go home or I want to do this. I, you know, he, there's no toughing it out at, at that yeah. for, stage for him. But here's the thing that I'm really looking forward to as far as tradition is concerned is my daughter. Yesterday, I uh, so... This weekend is Iowa's youth season. It's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so I'm taking her. And so last night we went out and we shot the 20 gauge. And I, I had her shoulder it. We practiced. Uh, we shot a, a couple, you know, a handful of shells. And she hit the target all three times. Um, the, she was a little nervous about the bang of the gun and things like that. But I can tell. She, she said, I'm nervous and I'm excited at the same time. I said, that's the perfect way to be. That's the, that's the perfect way to be. And so now she's starting to ask me the questions. And I feel like when the questions roll in and it really sparks their interest, like, Dad, where are we going to go? Where are these turkeys going to be at? Can I call? Can we do this? I'm like, yes, all these things, you know, like answer the questions. And so uh, that is what I'm, I'm the most looking forward to is taking her out on her first hunt this year. She'll be sitting in between my, my legs. And I, I, I'm already setting the expectations to where I think we're going to hear some turkeys. We're even going to see some turkeys, but we might not shoot one. And so mm-hmm. um, I have to, I feel like that type of management is important at a, at a when I'm talking about children to start setting up my tradition so that they know that it's okay to fail. It is okay to eat a tag. And you know, if it's all about being outside, being in nature and trying to, you know, trying to get the job done. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm so jacked uh, for this weekend, man. I'm really looking forward to uh, getting my daughter involved more. And then ultimately my two, my two sons, because I mean, let's, let's not, let's not, it's awesome to have a daughter who hunts, but there's something about, I don't know what it is, but a father and son combination, right? There's just something about it. Am I going to, I will involve my daughter in absolutely everything. I will involve her in anything that she wants to do, hunting and fishing. I will do it, period. If she asks to do it, I'll do it. But there's something, spe- I don't know, there's something about a father and son uh, combo that I'm I'm really looking forward to. And, uh, uh, but that's not to take away, you know, I'm not taking away from my daughter. I'm just adding the the excitement for my sons to get there too. So did, um, did you come, so you came from a, a family. Is there anything else that, that makes Michigan really special as far as tradition? Uh, I think there's the diversity also of things to do, uh, outdoor related. Um, you can, I mean, we got great lakes to fish. There's turkeys, waterfowl, all these things uh, allow families to create that tradition. Uh, like you're just, you're going, I have a sunny seven. I only have one kid right now. Um, that dude has been in the woods with me from since he was three years old. I got yeah. videos of him rabbit hunting with me. Uh, you know, you're talking about carrying, he would make it 200 yards. And then for the next two miles, he'd be on my shoulders. I mean, I would shoot rabbits with him off. He'd be on my shoulders. we got beagles. We run a lot of rabbits in the winter time. He's on my shoulders. I'm shooting a rabbit with a shotgun with him there. You know, <laughs> uh, we get to go. We get to go uh, shed hunting. We get to do all these things, which is pretty cool. He's been shed hunting me for three years, and he finally found two of his own sheds two weekends ago. Oh, that's awesome! And the excitement in that dude's eyes when he found that shed. Uh, just as a father, it's like he's hooked, and he hasn't killed anything yet. I don't know how close he is to that, but watching him run across the field. 
picking up that little eight point side or a little year and a half old four point side and the excitement. I mean, he has worked his butt off. I mean, he walks like yeah. if we're walking, he's walking with me. I mean, we'll walk three, four miles a day and he's dead and he's been looking for sheds. And yeah. So he like, I think that's what's important yeah. to not let your kids have instant success. They yeah. already get instant in YouTube or video games, hunting, fishing, being outside is the instant gratification is yeah. seeing the beauty. That's the instant, the sunrise or the, yes. the stars or that. That's what your instant gratification is. Then you put the hard work in and the reward is the animal or that, that part of the experience. So yeah. um, I did not, I mean, I could bow hunt when I was 12 and it took me the time. I think it took me until I was 16 or 17 to shoot my first deer with a bow. Mm-hmm. Um, I had heartache. I think I hit, I think I hit one little doe bad. I shot a buck in the shoulder one time. Uh, I really had a lot of, it was not easy for me. And I grew up in hunting. I, I mean, I, I was an awesome archery shot, yeah. but just the heat of the moment, it was hard. It took till I was 16. And, but man, that I'm, I was hooked, even yeah. though it was hard. Um, I, but also for my kid, like I'm fortunate enough to, you know, I build really nice deer blinds with heaters in them mm. and space for toys. And my wife was also going through master's school. So if I wanted to be outside, I had to have my son with me. So I had to kind of set up my life style with hunting in a way that he could be there. So he was out there in the nasty weather, but had a heater. He could play with his toys a little bit. He got to see deer, got to not see deer. So he learned that it's not all about just going out there. Hour later, boom, you shoot something, you're done. It's like grind. And man, he loves it. He loves it. Like he... He's like, yep, dad, it wasn't meant to be, but maybe next time, you know, he's just got those little things instilled and it's taken a while. Yeah. Um, and he, like I said, he's, uh, I think, it, how old is your daughter? She's like eight or nine or ten. something? She's 10. 10. Yeah. Okay. So she's, so Henry's seven, you know, he's got a, he likes shooting his bow. He likes a little 22 and a BB gun, but he, uh, he's never wanted to really shoot anything yet. And then this year we're driving up North for opening day the night before and a little buck runs across the road right where we can hunt like an eight point or something little. And he was like, and he saw it. He's like, Oh my gosh, dad, that would be a perfect buck for me to shoot. Yeah. And I was like, serious about this. And he's like, yep. So we bought the tag of mine two days later, everything's cleared. We got him some tags and you know, a buck came out uh, chasing some does in the field, like a hundred yards away. And he's trying to get all situated and sitting on my lap and the buck just would not sit still. So he didn't yeah. get a shot. So he almost like got really flustered and it was like, I was like, Hey buddy, like, are you like, what's up? He's like, is this too hard, dad? I'm like, Hey, you don't have to kill this deer. Like, it's fine. Yeah. It's like, do you want to shoot it? He's like, no. And I was just like, instantly flipped. It. I was like, well, you want me to shoot one of those does out there? He's like, yeah, dad, shoot that. doe. <laughs> so I turned a bad experience for him. That could have been overwhelming or pressure. Difficult. Yes. The yeah. pressure of it flipped it to, we just shot a doe. How awesome is that? Yeah. And he loves, he, he's not going to remember that day in a negative way. Like right. I always try to be positive for him, you know, how we end it or how we do that. And, you know, he might not shoot a deer this year, but I mean, shoot, I couldn't shoot a deer with a gun until I was 14. Yeah. You know, so like I'm 32. So, I mean, that really wasn't that long ago. And, you know, at that point in time, I could handle a gun safely. I could do all those things. I, you know, and when I shot my first deer, I had seen a lot of deer get killed mm-hmm. and gutted deer had been around a lot of dead critters by the time I was 14. Yeah. But when I killed that first deer with my gun, it was, I don't really know how to explain it. I think everyone that's a hunter knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, so if my kid's not ready, there is no pressure. Like yeah. he could wait until he's 16 to shoot that first deer, yeah. whatever it may be, because there's a fine line between there. And I have another brother. He's great shot. That dude shot first couple of times we went out, he smoked a few deer. I'm done. I don't need to do this anymore. Never done again. Then I have a sister who is a straight up killer. Like that girl with a gun in her hands is dangerous. Yeah. And everything beware. And she's hooked, you know. So it's like it all comes down to your kid and being able to experience that with them is yeah, it's pretty cool. And as a parent, you got multiple kids, so yeah. you're gonna be able to tweak this, tweak that, set it up. And yeah, your daughter might be out there just slaying. And I hope so. Yeah, I hope you so. Man. <laughs> you know, like I've killed a lot of turkeys in my day, and I feel like it would just be here, here is my idea of a perfect turkey season where we step out into the woods. Uh, maybe my son is to the right. My other son's to the left. My daughter's in the middle. You know, whatever, flanking each other. Just a line of 
turkey hunters and me just in the back without a gun just calling for them and trying to yep. get you know toms come in uh that that right there would be and if we could get that if i could do that every year that that would almost be like heaven for me man i yeah. I, I would just i would love that um I want to, you, you mentioned something that sparked my interest and it was about instant, instant success, gratification, yeah, instant yeah. gratification. I talked with a guy, uh, he was in his late twenties and when he was, I want to say 16, he shot 188 inch, like giant whitetail, right? First deer he ever shot. And it was, it was a fluke accident, right? He went to the tree stand during the rut. This comes up and boom, shoots it. And he goes, I was so, it, it, he, he admitted that it ruined him. He shot this giant deer. And so it was, it was giant deer or nothing from that point on. And it took him, he said, 10 years to say, man, I am missing out on so much, you know, so many things because I'm trying to hit a number instead of get the experience. Okay. Now, I, I want to get your idea. Like, I know a lot of kids out there, um, their parents put them on big deer or whatever, big deer. And let's just say big deer because it's easy to uh, talk about antler size. But they put them on big deer, and then they set this expect expectation for them that it's like 140s or, you know, 140s are up only. And I feel, I personally feel that that's a bad thing to do. I really do honestly believe that kids should go through a brown, it's down stage. Kids should go through a spike buck forky mm -hmm. stage. Then they should, you know, and then after that, it's up to them to progress. What are your thoughts? Uh, I, I want to kind of spin this a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I grew up as an athlete, uh, played sports, was blessed to be pretty good at them. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I did a lot of coaching when I was right out of high school, rocket football, that kind of stuff. I had a younger brother mm -hmm. that played. Uh, so I kind of, when I see parents with kids now, I kind of look back and it reminds me of how it's really no different with hunting than it is with like a sport. You're, you have a parent who used to be really good maybe at a sport and they live through their kids. So they are either a coach for their kid and they're just pushing their kid. They're trying to make their kid, they're living through their kid. Right, right. So, you take that same approach, you put it into hunting. You have youth seasons, you have all these opportunities that are supposed to get kids out there. And then parents are like, I'm going to get that kid a huge buck. And mm -hmm. they think that their kid shoots this big deer and has this grip and grin with this 150 or 140. And they put it on social media. Look at my kid. Well, what's that doing for the kid? It's doing more for the parents, I think, than it is for the kid themselves. Unless you know your kid, like I'm not saying that's always the case, but mm -hmm. you can't, you can't live through your kids in that way. Right. And with my son, uh, and I do understand like in Michigan and other states, there's, you know, smaller properties. And if you have three or four kids out there and they're blasting every, every, you know, three and a half year old buck on youth season, then there's going to be no deer. So like there is some management that's got to go into it, but I 100% agree a kid should shoot the first freaking spike that walked out uh, deer. I think kids should shoot does, bucks. If they can shoot geese, they should shoot geese. They should shoot ducks. They should shoot rabbits. They should be well-versed and understand how to do that yeah. um, and not have that pressure. But I, I do. I dislike that. I put my kid on this buck and he shot it. Yeah. Uh, no, that kid kids should put himself in that position and you should be there to assist yeah. if he wants to summer like henry love my son henry loves summer scouting he loves doing cameras why not let him do that like he did it he's yeah. the one that shot it right not you so let him enjoy that himself and you might have a kid that's like my son's seen so many deer and so many bucks and he knows like he's like oh yeah that buck needs another year or that buck's you know he's got potential to be big because he watches YouTube videos. He sees yeah. all these things. But if, if he, if he sits out there with me and a nice eight point comes out and he's like, I'm going to wait for a bigger one. Uh, no, like yeah. you are, take this, show me that you can do this. Yeah. Cause then they're be more self-sufficient when they do it themselves. Right. right. Cause they're learning how to do it. But yeah, yeah I agree. I don't, I don't agree with the, um, 
the biggest buck in the bean field needs to be shot by the kid during youth season. Right. I think that needs to happen. Uh, and I'm sure there are kids who, uh, who still hunt because of that and they're, they grew up different, but I mean, I don't understand how that's good for the kid, I guess. And right. I have a son seven and he could be, he could be, he could be, he could have shot three bucks by now, you know, during youth season because of the way the laws are. And it's just not, you know, my son and the way he is, is my thought. And yeah, I don't want to make it easy on him. I don't want, I, what happens when he's an adult? Is life easy? Yeah. You know, no. it's not, it's a grind. I, I, I'm not fortunate enough to have enough money or enough resources to have my son just be able to do whatever he wants and have a smooth sailing life the rest of his life. Yeah. What I can give him is experience, a work ethic, a desire to find happiness and joy in the outdoors, hopefully, or whatever his outlet is. Uh, those are things I can do. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't want everything to be super easy for him Yeah. because that's just not how the world works. It's yeah. a grind. Yeah. That's so. a fact, man. That's a fact. I, I believe in baby steps and, and not like now when my kid is starts is old enough to go out hunting by themselves and they've earned that, they've earned that trust. Then I don't care what they shoot. Then they can go shoot the biggest, baddest buck on, on, you know, go yes. tr- try to shoot that. But until then, man, I just feel like expectations for being a hunter cannot be set in one year. It, it, it's a, it's a, it's a very long process to understand you know, how things go, you know, how, how animals live in their environment, how they reproduce, how they grow, uh, especially deer, you know, with, with the focus being on antlers. So, man, I tell you what, Nate, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, uh, to sit and BS with me and, uh, man, thanks, thanks for hopping on and talking about you yourself in, in Michigan, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I could talk for days about this and didn't even really get into the hunting stories, but maybe that'll be for another day. For another and, day. Uh, another day. We can do that. So yeah, I appreciate it, Dan. Thank you. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Nate for taking time out of his day. You guys for taking time out of your day, man. I I really appreciate all the support that I I get through the nine finger Chronicles. Hopefully you guys uh, are able to, I don't know, absorb the passion that I feel every single day with the outdoors, with hunting. And I hope it, it uh, shows uh, in the content that I put out. So uh, I appreciate you guys following along. If you would do me a big favor, go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave a five-star review that just makes my content more, you know, uh, accessible for people. Uh, it lets them know that I have a, a great following of people who support me and, uh, that the, they like the content and they keep coming back to it. So, uh, please do that. Follow along on Instagram, nine finger Chronicles, a lot of content coming up on YouTube right now. So all of these audio, um, all of the, this audio is also now matched with vi- the video portion of the interview on the Nine Finger uh, or on the Sportsman's Empire uh, YouTube channel. So go check that out as well. And we got to talk about the good vibes, man. The weekend is here, and we got to we got to spit those good vibes out into the universe so those who need good vibes can give them, and all that comes right back to you. It's full circle, baby. So uh, good vibes in, good vibes out. If you're going to be hunting in a tree stand or a saddle for turkeys, wear a safety harness, but I doubt many people do that. So we'll talk to you next time.